My name is Christine Dieson, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Modern Artist Project. Today, I'm with Dr. Heidi K. Begay, who is a self-employed flutist, educator, and podcaster. She's the creator and host of the Flute 360 podcast, which delivers weekly educational episodes through various podcast apps. The podcast goal is to help the modern day flutists find and amplify their unique voice on and off the stage. Since 2018, the podcast has produced over 260 episodes, received over 130,000 downloads from 70 countries and obtained numerous corporate sponsorships. Heidi's mission is to help musicians reach new heights, feel empowered and confident, and have a life they love on and off the stage. Thank you, Heidi, for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Christine. I know I've read about your accomplishments and, you know, the things that you currently do, but for our listeners, it'd be really great to hear about how you got to this point in your career. Oh my goodness, it's been a long journey. And so I will try to really boil it down to the nuts and bolts. But basically I was under this impression of if I get that terminal degree, if I get that DMA in flute performance, then I will be able to check off the box and get that tenure track full professor flute uh, position at a university and all will be well. And so life had other um, options for me and I'm very blessed that my path really unfolded in a very different way. So I guess where I need to bring everybody up to speed is I was teaching 50, 60 students in the Fort Worth area in Fort Worth, Texas from 2009 to 2015. And I was running around between like six to seven different school districts. And I felt like a chicken with my head cut off. It was great. I learned a lot about teaching. I learned a lot about, you know, building a studio building a thriving studio, but I really wanted that tenure track flute professor job thinking, okay, if I'm at one campus, I will feel level headed, I will be able to really focus. So I went to Texas Tech to get that DMA and flute performance in 2015 to 2018. And in 2018, like everybody knows, for a graduate degree for you to fulfill a terminal degree, you need to write a thesis or a dissertation. So what ended up happening was my committee was super encouraging, super supportive to allow me to flourish under this creative umbrella and put something new to the table. And instead of doing like a performance guide or anything like that, I proposed doing a flute podcast, producing a flute podcast and really um, talking about the whole flutist in this modern context. They approved and that was my dissertation, the Flute 360 podcast. And long story short, I used it for some time as a DMA thesis, you know, check off. Yay, did that. It was a hobby for a long time. It was a CV builder for a long time. And then when the path to being that full time flute professor didn't really pan out the way I had anticipated, I decided to pivot. I decided to use that once then dissertation and then pivot it into being a marketing arm, shining a light onto my business, my studio, which is Flute 360. And so long story short, I never thought in a million years that I would be a podcaster. Never in a million years did I think that I was going to have my dissertation be about podcasting. And never in a million years did I think I would be running a music-based 
business and other businesses, and we can talk about that later. But here we are, and I've learned a lot, and now we're up to full speed of 2023 and where I'm at right now. No, and I think this is really amazing with all of the things that you've talked about. You know, the idea of turning something academic and being able to take that idea and being able to evolve it in the way that you have. Because, you know, when we think about the idea of, you know, modern careers and, you know, we've studied with great artists, great musicians, great, you know, people that inspire us to take up this path, right? So, I mean, and that's the thing, it's about being able to take things that we never thought would be possible and being able to shape them in a way that, you know, you're able to create a sustainable career. Now, when we think about your journey, right? How was it? Was Were you nervous when you decided to, to, to pivot? Was it something that, you know, take? did it take a lot of time in regards to making that decision? That's a great question. Yes, I was extremely nervous. I, I will be very frank about it because I don't want to sugarcoat it because there may be a musician out there thinking, maybe I need to pivot. What does that look like? You know, and there were seasons and there were times where I was feeling very confident, but there were also moments where I was frustrated. I was angry. I was depressed. I was banging my head against the wall. And so I share that and I'm extremely vulnerable in that arena with you right now to the listener, because if you are feeling all of those different feelings, you're not alone and it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be nervous because you're going on a new adventure, right? A lot of times what I tell, speaking of that term adventure, a lot of times I heard myself telling my husband, it felt like I was Lewis and Clark going on a new expedition. And I felt like I just wanted that Sacagawea, that um, not tour guide, but I wanted that guide to guide me along the path through this new expedition because I was embarking on a new frontier. And when you go through rocky mountains and new plains and things like that, you are going to be awestruck. You're going to be like, wow, this is amazing. I'm in a new area. But at the same time, you're not used to the bears or <laughs> the, the certain spiders or whatever that geographical location is bringing your way. And so all that's to say is I felt all the things. But I will say that guide is so important hiring a mentor, hiring a coach to say, hey, I've walked this path. I've been through the Rocky Mountains. I know this terrain. Let me help you. It can be less scary. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we think about this terrain and, you know, when we think about this idea of, you know, uncertainty, right. And, you know, not being sure how, you know, to go about things, you know, for example, with the digital age that we live in today. I mean, there's so many possibilities. I mean, the possibilities are endless, you know, and a lot of the time it's, you know, I, I've also thought about this too, at some point, you know, when we think about our teachers, you know, the, you know, who have, you know, lived a different generation, a different era, right? And, you know, they, the advice that they give us typically is the advice of what got them to where they were. Right. And and that's the difficult part, too, It's being able to uh, encourage that awareness, not only with the generation that we have right now or the upcoming generations to come, but also the awareness of previous generations. You know, what are we doing to help people build careers today that are sustainable within the arts without sacrificing that part of who we are? 
So in regards to, you know, the things that you do for Flute six, uh, 360, what do you encourage your listeners to do in regards to that, you know, mindset? Yeah, that's a great question. And the one thing I will say is past generations, they gave us the tools that worked for them 20, 30, 40 years ago. And thank you, teachers. Thank you, mentors, for that. That's wonderful. But now if the music market is pivoting and it's going to continue to change, right? Because change is the norm. We need to, as educators, we need to equip our students with the right tools in order for them to thrive in today's current market, not a market that was um, true 20, 30, 40 years ago. So they brought us up to a certain point, you know, um, of, of what served them well within their career, which is great, but we have to take those fundamentals. We have to take maybe that hammer and nail, like the basic things in our toolbox. But then at some point, if that hammer and nail doesn't serve us completely all the way for our current industry and our current career, then you need to add in new tools into your toolbox, add in a screwdriver, add in a screw, add in a saw. I don't know a lot of tools, but you get what I'm saying. Like when I was starting to add in other schools, other skills into my wheelhouse, I had to add in marketing. I had to add in how to build a funnel, a website. And those things were not taught to me in traditional music school, right? So the biggest nugget I can give somebody is you have to be aware. You have to, yes, have those blinders up and be so focused on your goals so that way you don't get distracted. But if those blinders are up so hard and so stubbornly they're just forced where they're not moving, then you could hit a wall. And so you need to lovingly open up those blinders to notice the breadcrumbs, notice the skills that you need to add into your wheelhouse. If that is marketing, do it, right? Hire a marketing coach. Be willing and able to be flexible and adaptable. So the thing also that I will add to that question, Christine, is I love to offer this Venn diagram. This Venn diagram has four circles, right? And if you're trying to figure out where you, the listener, fall within your music industry and figure out what you're passionate about, what your niche is, then I would do this activity and it will only take you five to 10 minutes. So the first circle is what are you passionate about? What gets you up in the morning? The second circle is what skills are you good at? The third circle is what can you get paid to do? And the fourth circle is what is missing in the industry? The intersection of those four circles, that's where you want to be. So if you're kind of lost, you're like, well, my teachers brought me up to a certain point. Yay. But what does that mean for me right here and right now? Do that Venn diagram exercise. And that's going to start really bringing in and focusing in your passions, what you can get paid to do, your niche. So that way you can start really building out your own path and really thriving on that path. No, and this is really great. And this is not to say, you know, because it's important for us to be, you know, at our top, you know, in regards to our instrument, in regards to our voice, in, in regards to all of those aspects, right? And, you know, when we think about these aspects, I mean, the hard part is that, you know, when we think about traditional structures, right? Um, I don't know about you, but there, I think there have been some career classes, you know, in the university that 
may have been offered, but at the same time, I was just, you know, at least for me, so focused on having to do this one thing, which was like being able to practice, right? I, I don't know if this was the same for you, but, um, you know, being able to emphasize these points with students or, you know, even with young professionals or uh, just as a reminder for those who are currently in the field, you know, being able to say, okay, right, there's going to be a little bit more that you'll have to do but do you have any idea of how we could better integrate that you know in regards to you know uh being able to keep people informed of of these extra skills that no one really tells you about until you know you walk away with your diploma yeah no i couldn't agree more and this is where and i'm not harping on anyone i empathize my heart goes out to you so i'm not bashing anyone i want to put that disclaimer out there really bold but most not all most um universities and colleges and the schools of music within these institutions they are doing a disservice to our current students they are and it breaks my heart because yes, play your instrument well, play the right notes in tune, in time with musicality and gusto. Yes, do that. But the conversation of, hey, you may have to add in some new skills into your wheelhouse. That conversation is not being had at the majority of most institutions throughout the country or throughout the world. So I recommend that um, the academics, academia, they really start listening to the current musicpreneurs that are out there, the musicians who are doing it, the musicians that have a portfolio career, the musicians that may not be in the traditional academic walls or the orchestral walls. What are you doing? How are you doing it? And bring these musicpreneurs into the institutions to do a residency, to have a guest hour presentation some sort of music business festival or summit, because if we're not helping each other, if we are not growing together and learning and picking each other's brains to figure out what can we do when we come together as a community and figure out what's going on in today's music industry, we are doing a disservice to our students who are investing thousands and thousands of dollars getting a music degree. And how disappointing would it be if you know you push out a hundred new a thousand new graduates every single year through your program and your alum are coming back saying nope i'm not working in the field nope i had to change careers nope i'm not using that degree that i invested a hundred thousand dollars into right that's that's disheartening i would hope that that would be disheartening for institutions so we don't want that, right? So we need to pivot, we need to be flexible, we need to be adaptable, and we need to ask the doers. We need to be bringing them into our schools and saying, what are you doing? How are you doing it? So that way our students can be served rightfully. No, and I think this is something that, you know, when we think about, you know, institutions and when we think about the idea of growth and, you know, encouraging that growth with people, right? And it's just a matter of being able to have, you know, this open mind, you know, uh, to learn new things because, you know, there's some people who are very, you know, fortunate, right? Sometimes it's just timing, right? Timing and maybe someone who you know, right? That can kind of, you know, shoulder that, you know, or 
provide that extra push in being able to, you know, find help that person, right? Now, sometimes, you know, when we think about, uh, I don't know about you, but I know so many very talented people that I had gone to school with who had been doing, you know, going through the motions, taking music history, taking music theory. And then at some point they have to pivot because they don't have a choice. And that's something that's, I would agree with you full heartedly. That's so hard. And it breaks my heart because some of these people are like, oh, wow, like that person's gonna really do great things. And then having them pivot to something that's more lucrative, right? You know, having to develop skills. Now, when we think about the idea of, you know, being a musicpreneur, right? It's a, it's a term that is, you know, something that's uh, fairly new, I think, uh, within the last couple of years. Uh, for you on your path to become a musicpreneur and, and being able to develop these, you know, classes, these resources, you know, um, you know, through Flutes 360 and Red House uh, Productions, could you could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, how you were able to shape those that made it so that you were able to not only have that sustainability, mm. also that community? Yes. So I could be on this soapbox forever, um, but I will try to get to the nuts and bolts, but I cannot stress this enough. One of my biggest nuggets that I can offer you right here, right now is hire that mentor, hire a coach. You cannot do it alone because if you did not take music business 101 or 102 in school and you decide just to build a class and you know hope for the best and put it out there, if you build it, you know there's this saying that if you build it, they will come. That's not true. That is not true. <laughs> if it was that easy, then anybody and everybody would do it, right? So you have to build, and this is where I learned a lot of lessons. I'm a doer, I take action. And the one analogy I love to give people is a carpenter. A carpenter, and my grandfather on my mother's side was a carpenter. He would say, measure twice, cut once. I tend to just cut, I tend to not measure. And that, you know, there's some pros and cons to that. Well, one of the cons of just cutting and going into it without measuring is you can waste a lot of time, money and resources because you're just cutting, cutting, cutting and there's no plan. So case in point, in the very early stages of me building out a remote class for Flute 360, I knew that my success had to do with like building that community and building people and having people come in was because of my podcast. So I decided, well, hey, other musicians would want to podcast, right? And so I called it the podcasting musician and I invited musicians to come and podcast. Some people took it, some people didn't. And what I found out to be true is, you know, I didn't do market research. And that was one thing that a coach later told me, hey, if that market research was there, maybe you wouldn't have had so much of a, you know, difficulty building out this class. But come to find out musicians, they don't like to public speak. Most of them don't. Most of them freak out at the idea of getting in front of a microphone and hitting publish and going live. And so when I'm advertising this podcasting musician course to people, they're like, uh, I'm not buying that because I don't want to be a podcaster. So all of that's to say is you need to all you need to plan and you also need to take action. There's a balance there. And so that lesson right there, if I would have worked with a mentor and a coach right off the bat and not trying to do everything on my own, I probably would have saved myself two years of headbanging. So I know that was a long example, but 
that nugget in there is as you are building out your portfolio, you know, as you are building out your um, product suite of the different services and offerings and products that your business is going to offer to the community, you need to be really strategic. Don't waste time. Don't just start taking action. Now, I will say on the flip side, you gain clarity in action. So there's this balance, right? So you can be like me and just go, 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 which is great. And I saw some results and I learned a lot along the way, but there was no strategy or a lot of musicians. And I think this is just how we are trained, plan, plan, analyze, you know, do score study, practice, practice that phrase a million times and then perform. So a lot of musicians tend to fall under the camp of planning too much and not taking action because they want it to be air quote perfect. So my answer is get a mentor. If you're going to build out your product suite, get a mentor. So that way you have balance between measuring and cutting. No, and I, and I think this is a really great analogy too, you know, because of, you know, being able to paint this image for our listeners, you know, in regards to, you know, these aspects of, you know, taking chances, right, calculated chances, but not to the point where we're obsessing, right, because our, our biggest, you know, fear, you know, especially within this industry is if we fall short, or if we fail, right. Um, and failure is such a harsh word, you know, when we think about those things. But I, I know, at least for me, you know, uh, failure has been useful, because it sometimes opens your eyes to certain things that you never thought would exist. Right. In regards to that. And, you know, what I love about what you had mentioned earlier is, you know, don't wait. Right. You know, for example, we have students like who are still, you know, studying. Right. Who are focused on their instrument. But the thing is, because of the fact that they have this mentality that I am a student, um, I am still learning the things that I'm doing, you know, may not be good professionally. You know, they kind of hold off on, you know, you know, making recordings and things like that. Whereas actually, you know, when you're in, at least for the undergraduate degree, if anything, you should be, you know, maybe in the junior, or, you know, senior year to be anticipating these things, you know, what, what types of um, ideas would you have um, in regards to, you know, you know, this planning, if you're still in the midst of it, right, you're, you, you haven't quite graduated yet, but it's like, you know, the, the lights at the end of the tunnel of people who are, you know, going through the motions of, you know, studying. Mm. So hypothetically, in this situation, it's a junior or senior about to graduate in a few years, and they are planning out po life and their career post graduation. Am I understanding yeah. that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. So I would start, you know, I would start finding again, I know I'm saying the same answer over and over again, but obviously, I really am passionate about this find a mentor, even if it's during a winter session or a summer session when you have a little bit more downtime and get the seeds planted in your brain um, and your mindset um, at an earlier age. So that way you can start having that paradigm shift as you're a student. Um, so that way, when you are ready for life post-graduation, you that seed was already there, right? You're already starting to water it a little bit. You're starting to add sunlight to it a little bit. Fertilizer here, just a little bit can go a long way, right? And then when you graduate, then you can start blossoming and then you can really start helping that plant grow. So it's never too early to begin, right? So if you're thinking like, 
what if I don't get that orchestral job? What if I don't get into grad school? What are my other options? Be creative, you know, like we're super creative on our instruments with different dynamic changes and musical intentions and our timbre changes with our instrument. Be the same way with your career. Think of the possibilities now. Start asking those questions in Music Business 101 class. Start asking those hard questions in that summer setup that I had just painted earlier. Excuse me, that I had just started painted earlier. So that way you can start getting the wheels turning in your mind of the possibilities. So that way you're going to set yourself up well for success life after graduation. And, and that's something, you know, that I feel like we could be more aware of, I think, you know, as we're, you know, teaching, as we're, you know, trying to help others, you know, achieve their goals, right, and achieve their dreams, and being happy for those people, right, because a lot of the time when we think about this, you know, um, mindset, right, this growth mindset that, you know, uh, we've, you know, connected about, you know, this idea of being able to just be creative and not limit yourself because a lot of the time we get negative right i, I I'm, I'm this has happened to me you know throughout my career i don't know if it's happened to you but you you're like like what am i doing right what is it that i need to be doing to be able to to stand out and hmm. what would you suggest for you know our listeners in regards to you know being able to to find that i know you mentioned the venn diagram earlier but sometimes as, as that way of having a visual, but encouraging them to act out on that Venn diagram. Ooh, so yes, that's a good question. So there is clarity in action. I will say it one more time. There is clarity in action. So your first action step for today, after today's wonderful conversation between myself and Christine, is to take five to 10 minutes and draw out that Venn diagram. You know, and if you can't fill in all of those questions with answers with truthful answers because you are having a hard time lifting yourself up in the second circle of what are you good at ask your parents ask your family members ask your siblings ask your spouse because they will help fill in those different questions for you um but then you know from there hire that coach so that way you can start expanding on it um another action step that you can take is another visual exercise that I give my clients is kind of this um, funnel, an upside down cone where the base is at the top. So I'm going to use, I know you're a clarinetist, um, but I'm a flutist, so I'm going to use the flute community as an example. Say hypothetically, there's way more than a thousand, but let's just say that I, Heidi, I am one of a thousand flutists out there, right? What's going to make me, and you've hinted at this, Christine, what's going to make me stand out? What's going to make me one of one, right? So this is another action step that you can take. At the top, you are now one of a thousand flutists. Congrats. Okay. But what's going to make you stand out? I want you to list down every defining characteristic that you possess and go all the way to the tip of the cone. So that way, then you are one of one. And you're thinking along the way, how many other flutists would fall into this category. So you could be super broad, just like the cone is, super broad at the base, and then be really specific as you're going down, down, down to the tip. So for example, like I'm a female flutist. All right, now the number is, you know, cut in half or whatever it is. Now I'm one of 500, okay? And then I'm married. All right, well, that kind of separates either 
you're with you're single married you know dating now maybe that's one of me being one of 250 you keep going i have a bm i have an mm i have a dma all right so now the the pile is getting smaller and smaller how many flutists are married female musicians who have their dma probably one of 50 now okay that's good but you're still not one of one i've studied native american flute music I own a production music company. I own a podcasting company. Now thinking about that, I can think of a handful of flutists who are also podcasters, who are also, you know, have a music production company. All right, maybe I'm one of 10 now. You gotta keep going until you realize I am one of one. And so that's an action step that I want the listener to take today because the reason why you're going through that is now you know why you stand out that is your value so when you go into there's many paths that someone can take you can go onto a traditional path you can go onto an untraditional path it doesn't matter whether you are in the interview and talking to that search committee and they're asking why should you be the food professor of this institution then you can sit up tall with a lot of confidence and a lot of pride and be like this is why and you can articulate how you are a unique individual and what strengths and what talents you can bring to the table that no other flutist can bring. The same is true when you are talking to and you're doing a discovery call, i.e. possibly having a client enroll into one of your services and that client is considering you or, you know, company B or C, they're going to be like, well, why should I work with you and not, you know, company B or C? And then you can say and articulate very clearly, this is what makes us different. This is why you would want to work with us. So no matter what path you go on, knowing your value, knowing your unique set of abilities is going to really propel you forward in the next interview stage or possibly working with that client. No, and you, you, you said so much here uh, in regards to, you know, this idea of value also, you know, because mm -hmm. a lot of time we we struggle, right? Because yep. you know, when we when we think about the, you know, as musicians, we tend to be very critical or, you know, even just as artists or creatives, right? We, we tend to pinpoint every single thing. Whereas sometimes we forget about the whole painting or like the whole symphony, or we forget about the whole piece, right? Instead, we're focused on like that one dot on the painting that's not quite placed well, right? And, and the thing is like, you know, when we think about value, you know, Everything that you mentioned is is amazing. You know, the idea of going into like that, you know, the specific nature of who we are. And that's something that's, you know, really difficult. It's like going through the like the whys, right? Like, why am I doing this? Why why is this important? Why why should people care? You know, and, and just asking those questions to get to this point. Whereas, you know, with what you mentioned, one of one. Now, when we think about adding value, right? Because a lot of time, you know, for those of you who are listening, or, you know, trying to find, you know, a way of being able to share a service or, you know, if you're wanting to grow your teaching studio or, you know, things like that, you know, a lot of time we have to create value, um, you know, like in regards, because, you know, it's not even just creating value, but also creating trust uh, with, you know, you know, your customers, your clients, your students, you know, and what have you. Could you, could you describe that journey uh, for us? Sure, I think I'm understanding your question very well. And by the way, you ask really good questions. So you're keeping me on my toes. 
but it kind of goes back to that first Venn diagram. What's missing in the industry? What can I bring to the table that hasn't been done before? So the value that I bring my 360 years is we are looking at you, the whole flutist, the human. How can we help you thrive both as a human on the spiritual, um, in the spiritual way, your health, like your body, right? But then also thriving as an artist and also thriving as this career go-getter. And if that's the traditional route or the untraditional route, you know, um, that's your decision. But that's something that I can bring to the table because I haven't seen that really done in this industry, specifically in the flutes community. And I've and I've been noticing that, you know, other flutists have been craving that sense of community, a sense of belonging. And I don't know about clarinetists, but typically flutists don't come at me. This is just a general, you know, observation. Us flutists tend to be sometimes a little, it's competitive. We get super competitive and it can come across as catty. And because of that, flutists are kind of pinned against each other. There's no conversation. There's no um, collaborativeness. And it just feels like, you against them. But what I wanted to do in Flute 360 was something different saying, and what I was noticing was the modern day flutist was saying, I'm done with that. I don't want to be a part of that. Where are the flutists who are going to support me? Who are the flutists that are like-minded like me, where we can lift each other up? So a lot of Flute 360 is saying, here's a community where we can have these conversations, right? Put the right tools in your toolbox and then look at the flutist from this holistic standpoint so that way you can grow and thrive, but we can do it in a setting that's healthy and we can support one another. So that's the value that I can bring because I was noticing that that was not available in the flute community. And that's one thing that I wanted to offer. And, and I think that's amazing. And, you know, the idea of, you know, taking you know, this idea of, you know, for example, the internet, right, or even, you know, social media platforms and being able to curate that, you know, and, you know, what I love about what you do is the fact that, you know, you, you pop in messages, right, just kind of doing a check in on people, you know, the fact that, you know, you're so quick on responding to them, you know, in regards to, you know, their successes, their, their goals, or whatever they achieved, right, I think I've popped in a couple of times, you know, in regards to, <laughs> to, to those things, because it's just, it's engaging, it's fun, it makes you feel like you belong, and I think that also mm -hmm. speaks to leadership too, Heidi, you know, when we think about, you know, different settings, right, I mean, this is all also for our listeners out there, we've all worked jobs that we hate at some point, you know, and we've had bosses, right, you know, that have been really terrible at times, you know, and there's, I mean, I mean, it's emotions of life, right, you're not going to love everyone, right, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, based on those experiences that you've had, and from, you know, the time that I've known you, and, you know, being able to see, you know, how you, you do these things with, you know, connecting with people, the idea of community, the fact that, you know, you're able to foster that type of environment and people can see that, you know, the fact that it's so genuine, right, in regards to addressing these things that, you know, that you may have countered, maybe have encountered, you know, the idea of, you know, creating that positiveness, you know, that we need so much of, you know, in today's uh, community, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Thank you for noticing that and thank you for acknowledging that I feel so seen and I just feel so loved and 
the fact that a friend and a colleague like you can see that it means the world to me because this doesn't happen anybody who knows this who really is passionate about something you know rome wasn't built in a day right it didn't happen overnight and i can't take all the credit because it's been a team of people to really help and build 360 with me so i can't take all the credit but thank you for noticing and if it's something that you know and for you the listener something that you're wanting to get your hands on something you're wanting to create i cannot stress this enough this is another gold nugget that i hopefully will bring you value today and that is we cannot do it alone you will need somebody <laughs> i don't care if it's building out your website i don't care if it's putting together a recording session i don't care if it's putting together a musical tour an educational tour you need people and i don't know if it's because sometimes and i'm guilty of this too so again just an observation, but a lot of our work of what we do in the practice room and as musicians is such independent work. I'm going to be practicing the long hours in the practice rooms at the school right and listening to my recordings, a lot of independent work. Yes, we play in the or in the orchestra or that ensemble right, but we come together for rehearsal, we sit in our chair, we do our thing and then we leave. Right, and that's not always the case, you know, obviously there's maybe, you know, chitter chatter and conversations before and after the rehearsal, but really cultivating meaningful and authentic relationships is key to your success. Because we can't do it alone, you need to get, you know, a lot of musicians too, what I find to be true is their comfort blanket is their instrument. That's when they feel like they can really truly express themselves. I get it. That's why that's one of the main reasons why I love the flute, because I can say things through that instrument that I really necessarily can't always say through my spoken voice. But you need to wear a new outfit. You need to try on some new clothes. And if you've been wearing that same outfit for quite some time, that's great. And it's going to serve you well to a certain degree. But you need to try on another blazer in the sense of like reaching out, picking up the phone, texting a musician and saying, hey, I want to get to know you. What are you, you know, about? And I'm really interested in this project that you're putting together. Cultivate that relationship and start um, scaling it. Not every relationship like you and I, Christine, like we have seen our relationship unfold into these different layers of our relationship, you know, seeing each other through UMBS as you being an attendee, working together on your podcast, I'm learning from you through your show and hopefully you will get to be on Flute 360 one day. There's many layers to our relationship, friend, colleague, client, right? And some relationships unfold that way and other relationships do and they don't. And that's okay, right? But you have to initiate the relationship to see what the future holds for both parties. And if you come from this authentic standpoint and not think of like, ooh, what can I get out of that person? But genuinely, leading with this heart of servitude, it's going to blossom into these beautiful um, opportunities and chances for you to, you know, for both parties to really flourish and opportunities, both creative and financially that perhaps you had never dreamed of before. Never, ever. And it's like, oh, wow, cool. I'm going and playing at this charity foundation concert in Farmington, New Mexico for these underprivileged children through this hospital oh okay cool and all that was was me having a conversation and building a relationship with clark hodge through umbs and his foundation is called chase the music if you want to check that out that's just an example but the possibilities are endless but you have to initiate these relationships because people really do love serving other people people want to help and all you have to do is ask for that help 
So I went on a spiel, that was another soapbox of mine, but um, start initiating those relationships and the rest will start unfolding for you. It, no, it's great. It, it's okay. We we have many soapboxes, you know, Perfect. I, have them, I have them in the corner of my, my apartment here. Uh, you know, they're, they come in small, medium and large, right? <laughs> So, but this is, but this is great, you know, in regards to, you know, the idea of being thankful, you know, just simply being thankful and, you know, you know, a lot of time I feel like sometimes as musicians, I don't know if it's a society thing. I don't know if it's a cultural thing or, you know, just because of the fact that, you know, uh, the pandemic, you know, the aftermath of the pandemic in regards to, you know, social, you know, networking, just being social in general. Right. You know, I mean, there's so many variables that, you know, look into, but the fact that, you know, being thankful for having what we do have right and I know like for me sometimes I have to remind myself you know we we have you know ambitions we have goals and you know just being thankful to just doing what we do each day you know in regards to you know being an entrepreneur being able to serve people but also too you know you bring up another great point the idea of delegation you know, the idea of being able to inspire a group of people, no matter how big or small, that, you know, we're in it together, you know, the, the fact that we can do this, and it's okay to ask for help. And I know, with what you mentioned, the idea of, you know, this independent work, man, it wasn't until my early 30s that I actually learned how to ask for help. Mm. Interesting. I don't know about you. I mean, but like in that sense of like, you know, if you want to be able to scale something, if you want to be able to make something grow, you have to find people, you know, who who can, you know, help with that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I had a hard time asking for help. I think maybe I do in a lot of areas. I'm not, I'm not perfect by any means, but I think one of my strengths as a person is I love people. I really love serving people. And as you can tell, I love talking and it's not talking in the sense of like hearing my Chicago accent come through and just hear myself blabber, but it's because I love sharing. I love helping people connect the dots in their minds. And because of that, the heart of that is conversation, dialogue, right? And you need people for that. So, you know, growing up, my mom always introduced um, my brothers and sisters as, oh, this is Eric, this is Catherine, et cetera, right? And when she introduced me to people, it was, here's my talker. And so it's just so funny that, you know, God put a microphone in front of my face and said, you're going to be doing this for your, you know, livelihood. And it's just like pinch me because it's just so funny to see how it comes all full circle. But yeah, so for me, it was, it was always innate. It was always organic for me to reach out to people because that's how I thrive. I feed off of people's energy. Um, I love learning from people. I love asking them questions. And here we are, podcaster Heidi. <laughs> no, this is no, I mean, this is great. You know, um, believe it or not, I'm a very shy person. I, I hide it very well. 
Yes. Really? Yes, I hide it very well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but no, but this is no, but this is I mean, but the thing is, you know, it's important of, you know, you know, that comfort level too, and, you know, being able to, you know, embrace, you know, these aspects of, you know, who you are, which I, you know, I'm so, I'm so thankful and so blessed to have you, you know, as a, a friend, colleague and, you know, mentor, you know, in that way, because of the fact that, you know, you've experienced these things, you're, you know, you're finding ways of being able to help people in their, you know, in their own way, depending on their background on what they do and things like that. Now, my last question, because I know we've, we've been talking for some time and I, I always love talking to you, Heidi. In, in regards to, you know, like a nugget, like something that you would leave for our listeners, you know, uh, especially, you know, for example, you know, if you're in early 20s or even if you're, you know, let's just say the whole spectrum of people, right? What, yeah. would, what would you leave us with, you know, in regards to, you know, being able to have that courage? Mm. Can I be really vulnerable and really honest right now? Oh, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> I have been this entire time, but I know this may ruffle some feathers and that's not my intent at all. It's just the last thing I said with, oh, look at me and look at how life has unfolded for me and the fact that God put a microphone in front of my face. I would be remiss since we're giving a blanket and nugget to everybody. I would be remiss not to mention that my faith has had a huge integral part in my pivoting journey and my career. So I know we're talking to like 18 year olds all the way up to 16, 68 year olds and everyone in between. For me, it's like lean on God and really um, listen to him if that's where you feel your heart is being called, because I would not have been able to do my doctorate without him. I wouldn't have been able to do my pivoting season without him and a lot of other hardships in my life. If I did not have that as my rock and as my foundation, I would be a crumbled mess. And so if there's anything I can offer to anyone today, it would be to um, pray and seek him first. No, I mean, and I, and I think this is great, you know, and for, you know, you know, even just having faith, you know, that type of faith in a higher being, I think can resonate with a lot of people, you know, in the mm -hmm. sense that, you know, just finding direction, finding guidance and, you know, being able to believe that there's something, you know, there, the good that's there, you know, in our, in our world. So thank you for joining us today, Heidi, and for sharing your experience and thoughts with us. We look forward to seeing the amazing things that you continue to do for our community. Thank you for supporting this show by listening and sharing with your friends. If you liked this podcast, please rate and write a review of how this show has helped you. This will help us be able to increase our visibility nationally and in being able to make an impact on the profession. If you would like to hear more about any specific topics, please email us at info at themodernartistproject.com. I would love to help support your community in all artistic disciplines. Thank you.